Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. Stories of old have great meaning for us. Throwback is a series looking at the lives of biblical characters from long ago and how we still face the same challenges today. Hopefully we can learn from them, avoid some of their mistakes, and repeat some of their victories. Just as Jesus took 12 ordinary men and raised them up to be apostles who changed the world, just as Abraham had 318 trained men in his household, and just as Paul took a young man, Timothy, and raised him up to pastor the church in Ephesus. Here at Grace Life, we also believe the best model for finding ministry leaders is not hiring based on a resume, but raising up within our own family, helping each other to become all that God has called us to be. So... For these three weeks, we're giving this opportunity to some of the young men God is raising up here at Grace Life. I'm asking you to join me and extend your best support and encouragement. Let's clap for them, let's shout for them, and let's show them how much we believe in them and all that God is doing in their lives. All right. Good morning, Grace Life. Wow, it is great to be up here. I feel like I'm the victim of a cruel prank, though. It's like the band played a song that always punches me right in the chest, and then they play a video of Darth Vader breathing, so I get goosebumps, and then they wrap that up with uh, a pull at your heartstrings video about being a dad. It's like they thought, hey, it's Connor's first Sunday. Let's make an emotional train wreck right before he gets up there. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Uh, yeah, so I didn't know whether I should open with good morning or surprise. I'm not Jimmy, but uh, Jimmy will return. Right now, Jimmy is on vacation with his family. And as the video said, he opened the door up for a few of us to have an opportunity to speak in front of you. And when he asked me, um, I was excited at first and then immediately terrified. Uh, A lot of people are asking me, well, are you nervous? And it's not nervousness. I just got out of the military and I I got to speak in front of people a lot in the military. But the thing about that is they were a captive audience. Whether they liked what I said or not, they had to listen to me. I mean, you guys are going to be able to push delete as quickly as I talk if you want to, but... Uh, I'm happy to be here this morning. I'm grateful to Jimmy for this opportunity, and truthfully, I'm, I'm humbled to, to be here in front of you this morning. I'm honored. Uh, I've got family here from out of town. Uh, some, came, yep, some came from Rock Hill. Some drove up from Florida, and so that's extra pressure. It's like, all right, Holy Spirit, make it worth their t- you know, gas tank money because it's not on me at this point, but uh, my dad's here. Happy Father's Day, Dad. See that? That, this bails me out because a shout-out from st- the stage will, you know, make up for the, the card I didn't get in the mail, so take that, Hallmark. Um, but I am married. Uh, my beautiful wife, Rachel, is down front. 13 years of marriage is coming up. Yep. The Lord has blessed us with nine incredible children. How about that? I'm kidding. We only have four. <laughs> See what I did there? Started at nine, back it down to four, and you're thinking, that's not so bad, but one of them... One of my favorite comedians has a line about that, and he says, big families are a lot like waterbeds. They used to be cool, but now they're just weird. So, uh, but I am grateful. I love being a dad, and, and I'll say happy Father's Day to all the dads in the room. Uh, it is a tough job. Um, but we'll get into it this morning. Uh, excited to share with you what the Lord has put on my heart. Uh, and so we'll start out with a story. I mentioned Rachel and I, we've, we've been dating 13, or married 13 years. We've been dating since high school. Okay, we were high school sweethearts, which it's not as romantic as it sounds. We went to a small Christian school, 
And I think if my memory serves me correctly, there were, I think, 18 in our senior class. That's one eight, not 180, not 1,800, 18. So I think she had eight guys to pick from, and I was the cream of the crop. I, I had 10, 10 ladies to pick from. I chose one of 10, so I guess mathematically, I, I dated and married 10% of my high school class. So <laughs> let, let that stat sink in for a second. But we, we started dating in our junior year, and I remember when it was because I played soccer. The only sport I ever played was soccer, and we played in the fall, and she was playing volleyball at the time. The season ends, Rachel rolled right into basketball. And what happened was she had practices, she had games, she had things she had to do, and so our, our time together, our, our quality time, you know, our QT dropped way down, and that was not acceptable, all right? Uh, I mean, there were s seven other strapping young lads out there for her to choose from. I had to, you know, stay, stay engaged. And so we dated through the summer, senior year rolls around, Wash, rinse, repeat in the fall. Basketball season's coming up. Have any of you ever done anything stupid for love? Whoa, no, no, no. Whoa, some of you bit off on that way too early. Chris, we're not, no, for love. We'll talk later. So I, basketball season's coming up, and I get this brilliant idea. I'm going to try out for the boys' varsity team. And what you need to know is I had never, ever played soccer or basketball before. But what I had in my favor, small Christian school, I had the tyranny of small numbers on my side. If you went to a small Christian school, you know that they didn't have many to choose from. If you tried out, you made the team. All right, so I tried out, and what do you know? I make the team. And so the way I see it happening is we're going to be practicing at the same time. We'll go to away games together. That means a bus ride together, which bus ride was like my ticket to holding Hansville. You know, we'd be sitting in the back, and I could see it. We'd be watching. The bus driver's not looking. The coaches isn't looking. We hit a bump. Oh, whoops. What's that? You know? <laughs> I had a plan. It took about three weeks of the season for me to realize I had made an incredible mistake. You see, only one gym, so we practiced at different times. Uh, they, the girls would leave early for an away game, and we'd ride a separate bus and get there later. And in fact, I think they changed divisions. Like I, if I remember correctly, we went to different games completely. I actually saw Rachel less because I joined the team. And to top it all off, I was horrible, like absolutely terrible. And, <laughs> oh, Dad, this is not interactive, all right? We have first impressions ready to escort you out, like crying baby. Uh, that's the signal. Um, but I was terrible, and I can remember to this day sitting on the bench, and I'd sit as far away as I could from the coach, which in my remembrance, it was very far. The, the bench was about eight feet, so he's standing right there, and I can remember him looking at the clock, looking at the score, looking at me, looking at the clock, looking at the score, looking at me, and I could feel it. The pity substitution was about to take place, <laughs> and it, it, I could see the gears turning, and it, he did the math. All right, we're at a point where if I put Connor in, we can't lose, or we're at a point where we can't come back. Put him in, <laughs> and then I'd hear the words, Connor, suit up. At one point, I, I actually said, no, thank you, sir. Okay? So with me, it was a situation where I was dressed in the uniform, but I wasn't really there to play. You know, I was on the team, but I wasn't a team member. In that case, I was in the right position, but my heart was in the wrong place. And that's what I want to speak to you all about this morning. The idea that we can be in a position, and if our heart is not there, we are missing the bus. Okay? So this morning... We're going to jump into Luke 15. If you've got your Bibles, turn there. If you've got your phones, swipe there. And if you have neither, 
uh, and I doubt people came without their phones. I'd forget to breathe before I forgot my phone, I think. But if you've got neither, it's going to be up on the screen back here behind me. So Luke 15, I'll give you some background on this. Uh, at this point in Luke, Jesus has wrapped up his ministry in Galilee, and he is moving towards Jerusalem. He's on a journey back to Jerusalem. We know where he's ultimately headed. He's headed to the cross. We know that. Not everybody he speaks to knows that. And so as he's on this journey, he's taking time along the way to speak to people, to continue to minister to people. And so Luke 15 starts out with Jesus sitting with tax collectors and sinners. That's what it says, tax collectors and sinners. I feel bad that it broke out tax collectors. It's like sinners should cover it. Like, hey, George, you a sinner? Me. Yeah, I'm a sinner. You too. That covers everybody. They get their special category. I feel bad for them. Tax collectors and sinners. Jesus is sitting there, and while he's sitting there with them, off on the side, the Pharisees. The Pharisees that it's easy not to like. And the reason that this is, is they took everybody and they broke them down into two categories. You were clean or you were unclean. You either followed the law A, B, C, D, and you only did E. If you did F, then G. If it wasn't time to do L. And if you did all those things that way, you were, you were clean. You were good to go. And if you didn't do one of those things, you were unclean and you were not worthy of being associated with. So that's one thing they didn't like. But the real kicker that they didn't like is they see this group, and this group is going to Jesus, and they're learning from Jesus. In their eyes, who should they have been learning from? Them. They're the ones with all the knowledge. They were the clean ones. And so Jesus, as he does so many times in the New Testament, in our lives, he, he took a cultural expectation, he took a norm, and he flips it on its head. And what do they do? They grumble, is what it says. In, in, in NIV, it says they muttered. They're over there muttering. And this is where, it, in college, I was a, I was a history minor. I love, I love history. And there's a, an aspect of history called the humanities. And that's where you study history in a certain way that you get inside the human perspective. And I love doing that. And, and that's where, like, I, I read scripture, and, and I... And I try to put myself in that position, and, and this is the way I see it, that Jesus is there, and he's got the group in front of him. He's got the tax collectors and the sinners, and he's talking to them. They're having a good time. They're feeling the love, and these guys are not, and they mutter, and it's like he hears it, and he's like, guys, really? I'm right here. All right, all right, all right. Stop. Collaborate. Listen. And he, he, he looks at the group, and I, I imagine Jesus kind of doing this to the group, because the, like the Red Sea, Jesus is God, he would do this, and they scooch immediately. They just slide over, and he makes a hole, and he's like, come on, guys, come on, come on, come on, up, 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 stop. Parable time. And he kicks it right there. And what I love about parables is this. Parables, they become to the reader almost what they need them to be. Parables are so powerful, because in every parable, there's a message for you, and there's also a message straight from God. And in this case, like so many other times, I always feel like the parable is never received by the person it's directed at like it should be. And so I, they, it's, always, it's almost like they're clueless. And I always feel like I'm on, the, I, I'm on the no on an inside joke. This is awesome. And so that's what Jesus does. He jumps right into it. And that's where we're going to pick up in Luke 15, verse 11 and 12. So he's going into the parable. There are two parables leading up to this. It's the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin. And those are important. We're going to jump over those for now. So Luke 15, 11 and 12. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided his property. So we have one father with two sons. This one son goes to his father and he says, hey, dad, <laughs> this is going to sound weird when I ask, but you know that thing I can't have until you're dead? Can I have it now? Can it almost be like you're dead to me? 
And the father takes it and he gives it to him. And it's not, I have to think in this case, the father knew. This is not going to end well for, for Junior. This is, because we read this and it's not like he had a plan. It's not like he went to the father and said, hey God, or hey, hey father, you know, I, I've got this idea. I've been looking at our wagon cart. I think we take the oxes off of it. I got, I'm going to put fire in a box and trap it and pipe the fire and turn some cranks and the wheels are going to pull the cart along. It's going to knock the people's socks off, God. I'm going to call it a car. You know, it, it's not like he has something awesome like that. This guy comes with no plan. When my, when my kids come to me and say, hey, Dad, can I borrow a fill-in-the-blank? Can I borrow a screwdriver and glue? Something. I'm going to say, what do you need it for? You know? <laughs> I, I was a boy once, so I mean, in my mind, I know what he might need it for, uh, but I'm still going to ask as a father. In this case, he let him go. Why? You know, sometimes God does that. Sometimes we make choices, and we ask things of God, and he knows where we're going to end up, but it's not until we get there that God can use that circumstance to make a change in us. And sometimes without that change, we can't experience the growth we need to become the people God wants us to be. And you know, the, the truth of it is, you can only grow to the threshold of your pain. And we know this, but I don't think this young man knew this. I don't think the, the son knew that yet, and so he has to go on this journey. So where does he go? You know, I could stop there. That'd be the worst Father's Day sermon ever. <laughs> Any dads in the audience? Hey, you're, you'll love your children. They'll grow up. They'll ask for your money, treat you like you're dead, and they'll leave. All right, enjoy the Golden Corral. <laughs> Thankfully, there's more. All right, so picking up in verse 13. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. He set out for a distant country, and that's important, far away. He's leaving his family, his country, his house, his father, his identity, and he's going to a distant country. And while he was there, he squandered everything he had on wild living. On wild living. You know, I don't think that's the kind of wild living that Rachel and I do as parents of nine kids. Just kidding, only four. See, I did it subtle. You know, like now, wild living for us is we stay up too late watching a movie. It's, it's 11.30, and we look at the clock and realize, our kids are getting up at six. What have we done? No, this is the kind of wild living where I thought about using the universal gesture for wild living, which is, woo, but I didn't do that, you know, because that would be inappropriate for church, so I did not do that. But this is the kind of wild living where it's not like, what have we done? It's like, what haven't we done? And so this young man, he is on a downward spiral to rock bottom. You know, he, he's on the train, and the, the train is coming off the tracks. This is where I thought like a quote about rock bottom would be good, and I found this one. See what you think. Sometimes God lets us hit rock bottom, so that we can see that he's the, ready for it, rock at the bottom. Pretty good? I thought it was too cheesy, but I still had to use it. <laughs> if that is your life quote, I apologize. You can find me afterwards and let me know what a bad idea this was of Pastor Jimmy. And I'll pass that message. But I did find this quote. The first victim of rock bottom is vanity. It's pride. And that's where he had to get before he saw the need for the father. What does he do? Verses 17 through 20. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and I'll say to him, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. So there he is. He's at the bottom. What you've got to remember is he's Jewish. And he, he falls so far that he is face-to-face -face with a pig eating from a pigsty. 
You don't have to read too much in the Old Testament to come across verses that tell you how pigs and Jewish communities don't mix. So think about how far he has fallen. He's face to face with a pig and he realizes, I need my father. So he gets up, he makes the turn towards home. Imagine the conversation he's had. Because remember, he was in a distant land. He had a long walk home. Like a walk of shame walk home. You ever been there? Imagine him walking and he is thinking, what am I going to say to my father? Because you've got to remember, he's in a culture that held honor as the highest thing. And he has dishonored his father and he's dishonored himself. So culturally... He's got to know what I've done is worthy of death. He's going back to his father expecting death, hoping for something maybe a little bit more. We don't know exactly what was going through his mind, but we do know this. He was in the wrong position, but his heart was in the right place. What I want you to remember is it's, in his case, it's not about his position, it's about his heart. So he's going home. Luke 15, 20 through 24, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, and filled with compassion, his father ran towards him. I read that, and I get choked up. Long way off. His father never stopped looking for him. This morning in the huddle, Archie read a verse from Ephesians that hit me with this. I wasn't quite sure how do I convey the power of that. And in Ephesians, it basically says that before we knew our plans, before we knew the father, before we knew any of this, Jesus was looking for us. And so he gets there, and what does the father do immediately? He hugs him. That's grace. If that doesn't spell out grace for you, I don't know what, I don't know what to say. Because imagine this is how far your journey home is. All you have to cover is this far. God steps in, and he covers the rest. He finds you where you are. You don't need to wait until you're righteous again. You don't need to wait until you're clean again. Imagine him. The last thing we hear is that he's in a pigsty. He's filthy. He's not clean yet. Pastor Jimmy sometimes says the phrase, a caught fish is not a clean fish. You get there first, and the Father does the rest. He'll meet you where you are. But the Son has a speech ready to go. And he says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your Son. And the Father stops him right there, and he says to his servant, Go get my robe, go get my ring, go get my sandals, put those things on him. Bring the fatted calf and kill him. He is restored on the spot. When our hearts are in the right place and we turn towards the Father, he meets us and he restores us. When you come back to him, just turn towards him. He brings you back into the family, makes you his son, makes you his daughter. That's good news if you know where you are. But there were two brothers. Where's the other brother? He's out in the field. He's out in the field doing older brother things. Any firstborns in here? Yeah. All right. Hashtag doing what's right. Hashtag rules are meant to be followed. <laughs> uh, you know, he, if you're a firstborn, it's about to get bumpy. He's out there doing what he thinks is right. And he hears music. And so it's almost like when I read it, it's like he's working, he's doing what he needs to do, and then he stops and turns to somebody and says, if I, you know, doth my ears deceive me? It sounds like they're breaking out the flute and the lyre and playing, let's get it started in here up in the house. <laughs> what is going on? And the other guy says, you haven't heard? Your brother is back. 
Yeah, he was on the train to crazy town, and he is back. Like, if it could be done, that guy did it. And the, the brothers basically like, well, what, are they, what are they doing? They were celebrating. They were doing what? And so what does the brother do? He becomes angry. He's done everything right in his eyes, and he's angry. And the irony there is the father split the inheritance in half. His brother didn't take anything from him. He doesn't go to the party. The father notices this. It doesn't say whether the father was told that, they didn't, that he didn't come to the party, but again, I like to think this father was looking for him as well. And he noticed, my son is not at this party. So what does the father do? Once again, the father goes to the son. Picking up in verse 28, so the father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. And I never disobeyed your orders. You never even gave me so much as a goat to celebrate with my friends. Stop right there. What's that about? A goat? That's, what, that's his beef? I'd ask my dad, dad, I never got a goat. What's up? This is convicting. I will give my son a goat today. I really won't, Jack. But he starts digging up the past. He turns it around there, and he puts it on the father. He's blaming the father. He, the problem is not with the father. The problem is with him, and he doesn't even see it. And he goes on to say, and what he says is very telling. He says, this son of yours took everything and lost it, and he comes home and you celebrate with him? And the father gently turns it around. And he says, no, son, this brother of yours was lost and is found. He was dead and is alive, and that's why we celebrate. And that's where verse 15, chapter 15 stops. He's like, what? Where's the rest? I'm a so what kind of guy. Where's our aha moment? You see, that brother was in the right place, but he was missing the father's heart. He was in the right position, but he didn't have the right heart. And in this case, I think in order to see what really comes out from all this, we need to take a look at the first two parables in chapter 15. We've got the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. With the lost sheep, there's a shepherd. He's got 100 sheep. One sheep gets lost. The shepherd goes and finds them, and they celebrate. The sheep is lost outside of the flock, and they find him. The real tell for us here with the older brother, the parable of the lost coin. A woman has ten coins. She loses one inside the house. She cleans the entire house. It says she swept the whole house until she found that one coin, and she found the coin, and she celebrated. What does that mean for us? I think when we look at the parable of the lost Son, it's actually a parable of the lost sons. You see, the, the younger brother was lost outside of the flock. He was outside of the house. He got his heart where he needed to be, and the father went to him. But I think the danger that we can get in sometimes here in church is where we can relate to the older brother. He was lost inside the house. He was lost inside the house, and the father, in, in that case, the father went to him, and he found him, and he celebrated. I've been in both places. I've been lost outside the house, and I've been lost inside the house. And I can tell you it's far lonelier to be lost inside the house. But there's hope in both. We have a heavenly father that wants us to just turn to him, and he will cover the rest. I'll say this. 
when I opened, I told you a story about the basketball team. I had to get to a point where I realized I either need to quit or commit. I had to make a decision. Do I want to keep doing this for the wrong reason or do it for the right reason? And so, thankfully, I grew up in the age where the WWJD movement was at its peak. So I had that going for me. I thought, what would Jesus do? Would he quit? No, Jesus would keep going. And so I had a, a heart change moment. I committed to the team, and in some ways it was the same, but it was also vastly different. It was the same in that I kept going to practice. It was the same in that I kept riding the bench. Did I start draining him from outside the arc? No. Did I continue to handedly deliver my layups to the underside of the hoop? Yes, I did. <laughs> but my heart had changed. You see, I was no longer trying to earn a seat on the bus to sit next to my bay. Am I using that right? I was now working to earn a seat on the bench with my team. You see, I got to a point where the, the position of my heart matched the position that I was in. For me, it wasn't about my position, it was about my heart. Maybe, maybe you don't necessarily relate to that story, but there's lots of times we do that. That kind of stuff doesn't stop in high school. How many times do we find ourselves in a position where we're not who we say we are? And it can be easy stuff. Maybe you work at Moe's, but you're secretly a Chipotle lover. Maybe anytime anybody asks you the, hey, how are you doing today question, you say I'm good. And you know you're not. You know, oftentimes we let ourselves get into positions where the position of our heart robs us of the genuineness of the experience. I can tell you for me, when I sat in a church and thought I was doing everything right and was doing it for the wrong reasons, I became bitter. I became bitter when I saw blessings that I thought I should deserve fall on other people. I became bitter when hardships came my way that I thought I didn't deserve. But I had to get to a point where I turned to the Father. So my message today is this. It is a Father's Day message in a way. You need to know we have a loving Father who knows where our position is. You think about the brothers. Any good story, you got to know what character am I in that story. Maybe in this case, you're in a position in life where you don't relate to either brother right now. You have before, but not today. Maybe you're in a position where you are awesome with God right now. You're awesome with the people around you, and that's great. That is wonderful. You can be there. If you're there, I would encourage you to encourage others. Not everybody's where you're at. Encourage them. But maybe... Like me, you're related to this, the older brother. Maybe you're sitting in here today and your heart's not where it needs to be. Maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you have doubts. That's okay, because guess what? We've got a heavenly father who is willing to run to us and embrace us. If our heart is humble and it's a repentant heart, he restores us. He repairs the relationship. He brings us back into the family. Maybe you relate to that younger brother Maybe this is your first time at Grace Life. Maybe it's your first time in church ever. Maybe you know I'm outside the Father's house, but boy, I want the Father's heart. All you have to do is take that first step towards home. It's easy. It's so easy. But we complicate it. Pride complicates it. 
false expectations complicated. But it's easy. Just turn towards the Father. If you're in that second group, I would urge you to make that step today. What a good day. Father's Day. Go home to the Father. You don't even have to take a card. You're just going. (laughs) It's good. So if you're there today and you would take that step, you can say a simple prayer with me. Nothing weird. You don't have to get up. You don't have to stand up. We're not going to hand you a snake to hold. It's easy. Just a simple prayer. If you're there now, pray it with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me so that I can live for you. I thank you for your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness and your love, Lord. And now my simple prayer is this, Father, that you would give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gracelifeme and on Twitter at gracelifechurch.com.